0: creative company is so delicious and the creative process is one of my favorite subjects. How humans can create something out of nothing is wildly exciting to me and one of the best ways I love to spend my time is writing and recording my songs. Chris Vandeweiber is the musician, owner and founder behind the website and YouTube channel called Why Logic Pro Rules. You can search almost any question or topic that you want to know about Logic. And Chris will provide the details, the deep dive, and all the information you need to know to get things running smoothly. All the DAWs these days seem to do very similar things, but in the early days when I started using Logic, it was one of the only ones that had its own built-in sound engines. It had all the synths and sounds that producers composing and arranging wanted to use. Hello, Chris. Hi.
1: Hello. How are you? Good. Good. Just coming off the back of just all the things I do for the website. How are you?
0: I'm pretty great. I'm just so thrilled to meet you. Thank you so much for this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's I just took a look at my Gmail account and our first correspondence was back in 2019. That was like you're pretty much a y Logic Pro Rules OG. <laughs> 2 years into it. What's OG? <laughs> uh like original gangster. Oh, You're very, like one of the first ones. Yeah,
0: I am. I definitely am. I've always loved Logic since 2005. When did you start using yours? Ooh, it was Logic Pro 8, and
1: yeah, I always mix yeah. updates and times. But I think 2008 as well, maybe. Yeah, You have to look back, but
0: yeah, yeah it's been a yeah. while now. What an expert you've become on it, though! Just it's staggering. I mean, as long as I've been using it, every time I watch one of your videos, I'm amazed at what else it can do. Oh. <laughs> Thank
1: you. Thank you. I, uh,
0: a lot of trial and error,
1: you know, and I guess I just, I just committed a little more trial and error than others had time for.
0: That's astounding. Did they ever, uh, take out on some of your ideas and, and ask you to troubleshoot some things or help them out? Oh, Apple? Yeah.
1: No, no. That's, I... uh, if they ever come out of the ether to have a chat with me, I will be so excited. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Because I thought you had tried to make some suggestions and they weren't really responding.
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, I submit to the feedback form just like anybody else because Apple oh, okay. has the, the very nondescript, just like tell us what the problem is. Yes. Um, so I've made suggestions, but
2: hmm.
1: maybe maybe something has been implemented and I don't know. But <laughs> nonetheless, I think they're doing a great job.
0: So how's the channel going? I can remember what before it was even monetized and and you were giving us all this great stuff for free and i was saying you've got to find a way to make money for this because you're such an expert on it well thanks um it's going good
1: it's going good it's uh it's a juggling act and i'm I'm trying to get better at the juggling because as one progresses and gains more i guess attention of other folks on the internet Mm. uh, more and more people want your you know, want to access and time and, and help. And, and I have a hard time managing all that. But nonetheless, I do my best. I just try to put my best foot forward and help as many people as I can. Wow. But the channel is just shy of 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. That's uh,
2: incredible.
1: I never thought I would get to 1,000. <laughs> I thought this was purely a for fun thing for me. I didn't expect yeah. so many people to identify with it, which is really cool.
0: That is awesome. Yeah, I was just talking to Weitz of this morning, and uh, he's on, you know, White Sea Studios. And he's just amazed at how many followers and stuff he's got subscribers as well. And I started my channel back in, what, 06 or 07 before there was a subscription bell and before you asked for people to subscribe and stuff. And I have over 200,000 views on certain videos hardly any subscribers so i i'm mm-hmm. mystified by the whole process
1: <laughs> yeah yeah um you know there's i guess there's that sort of uh expectation at this point that sort of mm. smarmy like you know subscribe ring the bell type of thing i've always uh i've been very proud to not do that i've never done um, it either not not to not to uh put down anybody who who chooses to be that explicit about subscribing but mm. i don't know I, I I try to keep it as as friendly as I possibly can, as personable as I can, and just try to go uh, based on try to win people over based on that uh, particular aspect.
0: Yeah, I felt like it was getting to be pretty obvious uh, as a thing that everybody was saying. Kind of like, wait for the tone and leave a message, you know. So I thought. <laughs> They know what to do if they care to. And I don't have any specific thing that I do on my channel. It's like, I'm an artist. I do all kinds of things. I even love miniature dachshunds. There's kind of a smorgasbord of stuff on there, you know? Yeah, in, sure. In a way, too, I almost wear too many hats because I'm a songwriter, but I like to produce and arrange, and I like to record, and I like to master, and I like to play with toys and, you know, all the microphones and whatevers we're talking about. And so – I don't think anybody would come to my channel for anything in particular unless they're looking for some kind of guitar teaching or something, you know?
1: Sure, that makes sense. I did narrow my focus after several attempts at blogs and cha- on YouTube channels mm. where I have eventually figured out how to focus on something and be that deliberate in the title and the messaging. And, and that seemed to help considerably because I had a – I used to operate under the name Brass Palace Recording. Which, what does that even mean, really, besides the fact that recording's in the title? And then I would post articles to help people with recording, and it's like, well, but aren't I the recording guy? (laughs) And So it took me a while to figure that out. Good for Um, you. Probably the best decision I ever made was the name of the channel. That's really gave me a clear focus, and I think gave everybody a clear idea of what I was about.
0: Yeah, I think that the title is great, and... I still haven't found any other DAW that I think rivals logic either. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, at this point, I'm not going to jump ship even if I wanted to, but uh, but I wouldn't yeah. want to because I'm so pleased with logic and I'm so pleased with the trajectory that Apple is uh, – the effort that Apple has invested in the application. I think it has grown by leaps and bounds in ways that – I understand that other tools might be better suited for professional applications just because of the need to be compatible with other studios, other teams. But logic, mm-hmm. I think, is bananas for what you get for two hundred bucks if you bought it ten years ago, exactly. yeah, yeah.
0: which we did. And yeah. you know it's interesting because for a while there I was keeping up with every update, every update. And then all of a sudden, my computer was just freaking out. and I'm on the phone with Apple and the rep is going well you're trying to operate at 300 cpu so this is just insane like you need a new computer so it's really like if you keep updating everything and updating all your plugins it's going to get to the point where the computer can't handle it and if you don't keep up then you got to take that computer offline and you know like so many of the plugins have these built in go out and look for the update and if you don't update things start going crazy too. So I I was keeping the computer offline. I made the big mistake just last week of taking the iLock 2 out of its USB input and put it in a different one, thinking I was consolidating cables and whatever's, moving stuff around. And all of a sudden it's forgotten everything. And it wants to go back online and reauthorize so many things. And some things are working and some things aren't. And I didn't know so much havoc could happen just by removing the eye lock for a second and it wanting to go back online to find everything. Have you yeah. ever heard of such a thing?
1: I honestly didn't know that myself, but I run into, you know, I'll take the eye lock out, I'll start a project up, and then it's screaming at you because where the eye lock go, and then yeah. you have to go through some trial and error to make it remember there is an eye lock, eventually plug back in. Yeah, uh, there's, always a, there's always a tricky bit or two dealing with music on a a computer
0: you you make music too you're not just teaching logic I mean you are Um, a recording engineer but you also play instruments and compose and
1: yeah I've been composing an album for the last like four years with my buddy Ben it's a it's very hip-hop centric it's our best interpretive dance of hip-hop because I grew up like listening to punk rock and in very guitar-driven music. I'm nice. functional on a guitar and bass, but I haven't really played with uh, any sort of um, dedication in a long time. I'm mostly focused on the production side of mixing, yeah. editing, and recording.
0: That's really fun. All of those things are super fun. Yeah. When did you um, realize, I'm a recording engineer, I have to be a musician. What was your background like?
1: Uh, well, I started playing in punk bands from about high school on playing bass because we already had a guitarist between me and my best friend. He played guitar. So my job was to play bass and I didn't even know how to play an instrument. So I had to get a bass and learn how to, you know, and get my hands working in the right direction. That's great. We, we started a a punk band that went through various permutations, uh, various variations of uh, as we got more familiar with different ideas of punk rock and hardcore and similar things. We wanted to do all the different things. And then I played in a variety of bands after high school touring up and down the East coast and around the Midwest. And, you know, we went to a studio in I'm, I'm in Rochester, New York, Western New York, and Buffalo is about an hour away. And we went to a studio in one of my bands, uh, a guy named Doug White, who had Watchman Studios, I, I think he still operates it. But we went. Doug was is so cool, and I remember looking around the studio at the mixing board, at all, the speakers, everything, and just thinking to myself, "This is amazing. I would want to do this all day, every day, if I could." But my immediate next reaction was, "I have no idea how I would afford any of this. Like, no time in my life will I have the money for any of this." So I continued playing in bands, but. This was around the time that more and more folks were making music on computers, uh, using DAWs, purchasing like Personas Fire Studios, you know, cheapy interfaces. Right. And it got to a point where I was in a band. My buddy who introduced me to Logic Pro, his name was Jordan, is Jordan, keeps saying was. And he just brought the studio with him. He brought an iMac to our rehearsal space with a Fire Studio Interface and Logic Pro and that blew my mind it was like oh well you can just you can just record anywhere at this point yeah and that's when i decided i'm gonna try to figure this out on on my own with jordan's help he suggested i get logic that i get a mac certain gear nice. and then i moved to new york city for a few years with my girlfriend and i worked i've all the jobs i've ever worked have been very retail customer service that sort of i i oh. never went to college or anything, I was very much invested in the idea of being a musician, being a creative. So I worked at maybe the busiest coffee shop in New York. It was a great, fantastic learning experience. <laughs> taught me so much about customer service that I would not have gained anywhere else.
2: Well, and sure.
1: I would say, you know, by logic per rules, being a mix engineer, recording engineer, it's all customer service. So they taught me a lot, but at the time I was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> at that coffee shop. So I thought to myself, I got to figure out a way to make money outside of this. Mm. Um, so with my MacBook and my Fostex mono speaker, I was like, all right, I'm going to try to figure out how to be a mix engineer and charge money to do this. Wow. And that started that tra- trajectory. Uh, it took a, a long time, but I eventually
0: figured it out. That is so cool. Yeah. And so that's that's the main gist of your business and Is being the actual recording studio, not just running this YouTube channel. Yeah, um, I focus more on mixing these
1: days than Mm -hmm. recording. Cool. Which I love recording. Uh, I would say that, at least in the circles that I'm hanging out with, the experience of going to a studio and recording has changed a lot from when I was 18, 19, 20. Yeah. Yeah you would like book the studio for a week and you would go to the studio and you'd live there and you get the thing done. And now it's like a weekend warrior type of thing where, okay, we'll record <laughs> drums this weekend and then bass next weekend. And then, well, I got some stuff going on two weeks from now we can do some guitars. And then six <laughs> months later, the record's finally done, which no hate, but mixing was a little easier and faster. I suppose it was like, you, you get it done to the extent that you're happy with it.
0: And then I'll take it the rest of the way there. Nice. Yeah. So you're probably doing some full mixing, but also some stems.
1: Yeah, you know, I have the luxury, thanks to why Logic Pro rules that mainly Logic Pro users re- reach out to me, and so I can say, hey, just send me your project as mm-hmm. is. Yeah, and they send it to me, and if I I have questions or concerns or anything, we can we can discuss that, and we can kind of work through some of those things. But otherwise, it's like I just pick it back up from where you left off and I just get going and it's really a wonderful experience as opposed to hey this is how you bounce multi-tracks this is how you bounce stems oh Mm. no you normalized them we need to go back oh you left the reverb on can we take that off the
0: vocals don't have to deal with any of that stuff oh that's great yeah and so you don't really have too much trouble with uh, plugins being compatible or folks sending you things that you don't have Yeah, uh, I'm
1: trying, you know, as you can probably uh, empathize with, I've spent a lot of money on gear over the years. So I'm trying to be more frugal about spending money on on plugins and such. And I'll try to get by. If somebody sends me a project, I don't feel like buying the whole Waves bundle. So I'll just see if I can get by. But if there's a crucial effect that is like this is crucial to that sound, then I'll go purchase it. Otherwise, I'll try to operate on demos or trials. But I have A bunch of software of my own yeah uh, as well
0: and a lot of the plugins are imitating other plugins that we have that do similar things yeah yeah i guess i didn't do enough research when i started over onto logic um i went from four adat machines to logic in 2005 and uh i didn't realize that logic had its own plugins so because i got an apollo interface they give you a bunch of plugins and then they give you a voucher for even more plugins you know so I just was getting and then a friend gave me a whole bunch of waves plugins and it's it's been insane and yet as much as I love them it's like the hardware seems to never go wrong you know <laughs> the plugins it's need insane. updates and sometimes don't interact and play well with each other but you know the hardware is pretty cool and the hardware still seems so different you know like I like playing with the buttons but there's also wow, I think I really hear the tubes here, you know, like stuff like that is really pretty cool, but um, I love it all. And the only thing is I can be like fully analog on this side with that one inch 16 track behind me. Mm -hmm. And I could be totally in the box with logic or I can do some kind of a hybrid thing. And uh, I've made my life a little too complicated because I didn't know how to set up any of this. And I've been sort of guessing at things and looking at manuals and watching videos from everybody and then trying to route everything because, you know, in logical, the virtual tracks get all crazy. Oh my God. It's been, uh, it's been interesting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's cool that you have that experience because I grew, I mean, I grew up, I was like in my twenties, I guess going into my thirties, but I grew up on a computer and that was the Mm. thing I had. And, Outboard gear is completely not a thing in my trajectory. I mean, maybe studios used outboard gear, but I had no direct experience with any of it. Um, so that's you, actually though, quite a to save money. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, but it's it's kind of a foreign concept to me. Obviously, I'm I'm well, I'm much more aware now, and especially mm-hmm. with companies like Universal Audio, Apogee, Waves that are you know doing emulations. Yeah, I get it now, but I just never had that direct experience to have to plug a console into Logic and like get everything playing together.
0: Mm. Yeah, I didn't know the high end stuff. I didn't know what an eleven seventy six was back in two thousand and five, or you know, a Fairchild or any of those things. When I was mixing on a big Studio Master Track Mix thirty two mixer with four Adats or the half inch eight track machine and making albums with that tape deck. We would just rent compressors, but they were like, you know, Elis thirty-six, thirty-six, you know, <laughs> yeah. or thirty, thirty-six, and you know, DBX one-sixties and and things like that. They were very uh, low-end. Whatever that person had who was renting out gear, you know, that little yeah. business that I used to go to, and so when all the plugins started coming in, there was a lot to learn. It's like, what plugin is this? <laughs> what what does it do?
1: That's fascinating to me.
0: It is fascinating, even to me still. Um, I, I think uh you know, any one of these rabbit holes are very interesting. And and people have said to me ever since I was a kid, like, well you should decide what you really wanna do. Do you wanna sing or play guitar? So mm. now it's even worse because it's like I play a lot of other instruments. <laughs> and i like to be the artist but i like to be the engineer but i like to arrange and produce but i also like to mix and master and people are like why are you doing all of that it takes a while to finish things but i like the vision i, I like painting the whole painting myself sometimes and um it's just fun you know yeah absolutely that's interesting
1: because we're in an industry that those jobs and those roles are consolidating further and further where you are expected to be the recording engineer and the Melodyne, you know, pitch correction guy or gal. Plus you got to mix it. Plus you got to do the Atmos version. Plus you got to do this, that, and the other thing. So it's interesting that that was the perspective that you were like pick one. I feel like that's very different now where you have to almost do all of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of them have become blurred, defining labels too. Like I used to think George Martin was a great producer because he was a great engineer, but to me, arranging and producing were still separate things. And now Mm. they're really getting blurred. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But uh, I don't know. It's still fun. It's still fun to like it all. And I don't think our diverse interests have hurt us any, if anything, they've made us more valuable and uh, have helped Like, we we have a deeper understanding of the entire picture, what needs to be done, and we can really help artists get there,
1: which is cool. Absolutely. I I would agree wholeheartedly. Uh, You know, a couple years ago, I didn't know anything about a synthesizer. (laughs) I didn't know what any of the knobs did. And I was actually kind of petrified trying to get into that end of production. Um, I would say I'm very fun. I'm much more functional now, and it's and it's exciting and it's cool to be able to, if you're working with a, uh, an artist, be able to be like, oh, well, we should try this and quickly dial up something that's kind of interesting and fun for them to then t- take the ball and run with it. Mm. Um, I I, th- I agree with you, and then I think it just adds to the toolkit.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's a problem, <laughs> but mm-hmm. there are people who are very expert at one or two things and they look at some of the diverse people thinking what makes you think you can do all of that it really takes an expert to really know what's going on and you're not really an engineer unless you've worked two years under such and such in a professional studio with real artists and you know gold record this and that and it's like okay yeah I guess I'm not the real thing (laughs) but uh you know, like, how real does it have to be? This song didn't exist before. It turned out from this little idea to turn into a finished thing. And now it's out in the world as a finished record. It's like, that's still pretty miraculous and fun. <laughs> you know, like, whether it's real or not in somebody else's book, it's like, I I love that music is back in the hands of the people, you know, that everybody can have fun with it, that there, there isn't this hierarchy of you're a pro and you're not a pro and you're not in it. And, you know, cause folks can get a little weird like that. Like everything is this elusive club that you don't belong to. (laughs) And it's like, well, let's just start our own club, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, I would immediately point to a number of like, I read sound on sound magazine Mm. routinely like every night and I have a subscription and the articles that are coming out uh, about the latest hit. A lot of these songs are like SoundCloud artists that just throw a song up and then it gets a lot of interest and then a label signs them. And then Holy cow. I mean, the Billie Eilish first record Mm -hmm. was recorded in their bedroom and yeah, they eventually hired out for mixing, but I don't know. I was reading an article about a rapper where they record the vocals on tour in a car inside. They had the, the vocalist <laughs> in the car rapping and and that was the final take. It's just, I don't know. That's I think, great. I think, um, I appreciate working really hard at your craft
2: mm-hmm.
1: and investing a lot in your craft and, and being prideful of that makes sense. Uh, but you can't stop the tides of change, you know, and exactly. And there's a lot of creativity out there and it's just a case of providing the tools that people can use to get that out, get it out of them. Um, I don't think there's a right or wrong there.
0: No, I agree with you. I love that uh, things have become so much more affordable and that there've been consumer versions of all these things. Cause I got my first TAC 2340 when I was 17 and that was just, Oh my God, this is exciting. <laughs> yeah (laughs) how fun (laughs) but i remember reading carol burnett's first book and she was in that conundrum of i need an agent but you can't get an agent unless you have some kind of a part that somebody's interested in you and giving you for a play or particular show or whatever and she's like well how do you get this if you don't have that and you can't have this if you so she was just told why don't you just put on your own show And they did that. Her and her friends just hired out a a theater, put together a whole production, invited all the press and all the agents and manager people, and uh, life began, you know. So back in 1989, with my first band, Too True, it was like, we'll put out our own record, we'll put our money where our mouth is, and uh, we'll just go for it and have some fun. And We got some really great international press. And in those days, home and studio recording and Roland Users Group magazine and all these things, it was so easy to just get somebody on the phone and have them interested because doing something at home wasn't that pronounced, I guess. It wasn't happening that often. And uh, I had had a book called How to Make and Sell Your Own Recording from the 70s, you know, when I was uh, growing up. And then a whole bunch of years later in the 80s, I heard George Winston, the piano player, say, well, there was a book in the music business that really changed my life and helped me. It's like the Bible of uh, self-releases and stuff. And I'm like, oh, what is it? What is it? I should know. And it's the same book that I had, How to Make and Sell Your Own Record by Diane Rappaport. And uh, there's probably a newer version now even because at that time there was, you know, now the digital age uh, remake and whatever but it, it just made things so possible for everybody and i wasn't the first by any means james taylor was recording at home uh les paul and mary ford were doing stuff at home you know like it, it goes way way back and um uh, just to be able to hear all your ideas together what an amazing exciting thing and now not to have any tapis because logic is so great it's like yeah very happy Does not have tape hits.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I remember uh, the guitarist in my high school band. He had a, a Fisher Price. Remember those? Like the speak and had the yes. little microphone and he would tape the button on the microphone so it was always <laughs> on and then he would hit record and recording his idea and then we would play over it with other ideas and just that was at that time monumental. It was like, wow, we can hear almost the song. <laughs> While we're listening to it, right, and then to be at this point where you could record something on your iPhone and yes. then just like port it to Logic and then start slicing it up and and singing along to it, and then pretty soon an afternoon has gone by and you have a song to show people. Yeah, I'm um, I'm just blown away and enthused endlessly by the uh-huh. opportunities available to people, and that's my my goal is to show people that the because a lot of folks. Understandably, have tr- troubles with technology when mm. they're trying to accomplish something in something like logic, and they don't have endless amounts of time to go researching and reading through manuals and right and, and getting to know the software. So I'm always trying to help people understand that the, the only difference here is that, like, you know, your gap in knowledge—you don't know how to do the
2: thing—and
1: mm. let's try to get you over that hump so you can just keep going and do your thing. Um, and it's not a case of like the software can't do what you want it to which sometimes is the perception. It's like, oh, well, Ableton's better. Logic's better. And, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it's my own fault that I called the channel Why Logic Per Rules. I kind of stuck my flag in the sand <laughs> and, and drew a line. Um, <laughs> but at this point, it can all pretty much do what you want it to do. It's just, yeah, you no know, figuring out how to make it do that thing.
0: They've all caught up. Yeah. For a while, Logic was the only one with the built-in synthesizers and various sounds and then... Everybody started adding that, and then one would record MIDI, but it wouldn't record audio, and then they changed that. So they are, I think, getting pretty leveled and equaled out. But I think one of the coolest things about a DAW is that, like you said, you can start something, like a little demo, and turn it into a finished tune, and the quality's there. Whereas when I would just write a song when I was a kid, I had little cassette decks, and so I have hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of cassettes of little ideas like we have voice memos now on our phones and finished songs but those are the only versions of those songs that exist and thankfully those tapes all still play (laughs) yeah but um if you do that in logic that reference vocal can turn out to be the real thing and you can add drums 20 years later
1: (laughs) absolutely
0: It's really, really cool. But yeah, you are so great at explaining things. Your voice is so soothing. Uh, You're smart. You're concise with the stuff. You make a great blog post on it. Then you do videos on it. It's like you could be, and I mean you, anybody now, uh, could be entertained just going through all your videos on your channel on YouTube or on your webpage and just learn a ton or even just plug in any particular question. And usually there's something right there uh, about it that just helps them very quickly get right to that point. And so I just really wanted to publicly thank you for that because I have loved your channel for years. And I just think it's so cool that you've been so graceful and and, uh, generous, I mean, you know, with your time and, and doing that for everybody.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I mean, that means a lot to me. Um, and it's nice to hear, I mean, lots of people say lots of kind things and Mm. I appreciate it all. And maybe I don't express it enough (laughs) out on the internet. Um, but it's cool to hear. Thank you. Uh, say it's taken time and effort to, to learn how to articulate, learn how Mm. to describe things at such a pace that is helpful to people. I just had a commenter today that, I have two commenters. I have one that said this was amazing because I just posted a video today and someone was (laughs) like, this is amazing. Thank you so much, Chris. Mm. And then someone else commented, this is just painfully tedious to watch, (laughs) you know, so that's like two sides of one coin. And that's the balance I'm always trying to figure out because one user's, you know, TDS is another user's too fast and like one person's this is awesome is like another person's get to the point. Um, So I'm always learning. I'm always trying to adapt and learn. You probably can appreciate that as well because as an educator, trying to accommodate everybody's uh, learning patterns.
0: Yes. But if they already like your teaching style, then they would know with their learning style whether they're drawn to your work or not. and if it's just from a youtube channel you're at a disadvantage you don't know who your students are and having them be everybody is enormous there's no consensus you will never please every single person you'll never hit it right for every single person because everybody's starting from a different place
1: you know that's absolutely true and that's something that i myself have wrestled with actually for the last year or two is um you know it's interesting when you start a YouTube channel or a website, uh, and initially, when like the website goes from zero views a month to like a hundred, and you're like, "Wow, this is amazing! I can't believe this is happening!" And <laughs> you go from like a hundred to a thousand, and it's like, "This is the best thing ever." Um, you're just I'm I myself. I'm speaking for myself. I was just so pleased, and wow, this thing that I have tried to will into existence seems to want to happen i don't know where it's where it occurred but at a certain amount of tens of thousands of people it's like (laughs) oh the things that i say are have an impact and they matter and people are hanging on some people are hanging on my every word and if i am a little too flippant in the way that i describe something Mm. someone may take that as uh just inaccurate not you know not uh thoughtful enough whatever Mm. so I've had to wrestle with this fact that I've increasingly become a public figure even though I'm just talking (laughs) to myself to my iPhone every week (laughs) by myself 90% of the time um so it's it's interesting but I appreciate the feedback I appreciate being able to learn how to better help other people
0: Mm. yeah are you using just your iPhone to film
2: yeah yeah
0: and um, do you do ScreenFlow or which? which yes, one that's use, the one.
1: I use ScreenFlow. I use another interme- intermediary app called uh, what's it called? Camo by Reincubate. Oh, it's an application that allows you to like. I can plug my iPhone into my Mac, and ScreenFlow will grab that feed. Mm. Um, but I just like anybody else, I've dealt with technical. Mishaps with screen flow or
2: uh-huh. screen
1: flow uh, will have, I don't know, the feed from my camera will be uh, not as pristine or kind of jagged. Weird things happen on occasion. So I ran into Reincubate's camo application, which you load the app on the phone and on your Mac. And it, I'm able to record the feed from my phone simultaneously while I'm recording it on screen flow. So if the camera, if the uh, the visual of myself, in ScreenFlow is not of, up to standard. I've got a secondary version that I can load right in. And that's usually what I load in to ScreenFlow. And then I chop everything up in ScreenFlow. I think folks would be quite surprised how many hundreds of edits there are for every video. Cause I go through, sure you know, I go through a sentence at a time indifferent you know i say it with an upturn voice with a downturn voice with uh you know was this the right way to was this the best way i could express this let me try it again i'll have like an hour of footage that i chopped down to 15 minutes and then i load it into logic and i mix the audio in there and spit it back out to load to youtube
0: nice yeah Yeah, i was so happy to see that logic would extract video or, or audio from a video because uh when these chats just started, I was just talking to friends and trying to get to meet people I've only emailed and, and never got to actually physically meet. And um, someone said, "Oh, so this is a show?" Then I'm like, "It's a what?" Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're like, "Oh, you're making a podcast." I'm making a what? You know, so to to get the audio right over to a podcasting site, there was a couple of companies making uh, apps that would extract just the audio, but you could only do free for like half hour, 40 minutes. And some of these were like two hours. I'm like, uh, there's going to be a better way. And it turns out even DaVinci resolve will export just the audio, let alone logic. And so I, it was good to find those things out too. It's like, Oh, this is how you can do it.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a huge help. Um, yeah. for i for my own workflow, I spit out the video with the audio examples separate from my voiceover because I like to do a not a lot of processing, but a lot of cleaning up of, of my voiceover because mm. the space that I'm in is just some generic office on a main street in Rochester, New York. And there's a lot of commotion outside and there's like mm. ambient air conditioning that actually is quite loud. There's like a tone right at about somewhere between 200 and 1,000 hertz. It's just like, brrr, and I have to eliminate <laughs> that. Um, and it's taken a while, but I use an app called Hush. Okay. Which is relatively new. It's an AI-based app. I'm going to put it out there. I'm completely freaked out by AI. I'm not excited about it, but this app uh, eliminates <laughs> noise like nothing I've ever experienced before. It just Without the artifacts and
0: weirdness. And... It's so awesome.
1: Wow. It's a, and you purchase it from the app store. And I've spoken to the developer. He's a great guy. And then once I denoise the voiceover, I throw it into RX to remove plosives, to remove mouth noises, to Mm -hmm. clean up any ticks or weird stuff. And then I load it in the Logic, and then I combine the two together, and I get levels right. And and I like to use my and with my processing chain for my voice.
0: Right. So Hush is on your phone, or on the actually on the Mac
1: Logic. It's on the Mac. It's a separate application. It's very, um, uh, it's not very obvious, the workflow. You you decide where do I want the denoised version to spit out. So I say my desktop. And then you say, how much denoising do you want? Zero to 100%. I set it to 70%. Hmm. And then you drag and drop the file right in. And then it spits it out to the desktop. And it sounds awesome. Pristine pristine in terms of noise reduction and and getting rid of weird even bird noises it'll get rid of. I have a (laughs) outside on the awning here, there's like a nest of robins that like to chirp the entire time I'm filming.
0: (laughs) It's crazy (laughs) how they how
1: uncanny they figure out the timing.
0: They're feeling all this warmth and concern and caring coming energy coming through the walls. They go, this is a nice place to perch for a while. It's yeah. making me want to sing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, God. So how many mixes do you need to do a week or a month? It probably varies, but you're probably very busy with that kind of thing.
1: It varies, um, definitely. I. Uh, you know, the channel is honestly consumes a lot of my time now. I, yeah. I put a lot of time into a, a video. A bit. So I'll maybe get one to three tracks done a week. I couldn't see much beyond that. Cause I, you know, the workflow of putting together a video is like, mm-hmm. sometimes a lot of like, what am I gonna talk about this week? And then researching and identifying and then testing out, you know, my mm. workflow and is there a better way to do it? Um, but yes, to answer your question. Uh, maybe one to three songs a week. And then I also work on my own projects in the channel as well.
0: Yeah. What were some of your goals when you realized, I'm a recording engineer now, I'm doing this thing before the YouTube channel? Yeah, my goal was um,
1: very, what's the best way to put it? It was just very selfish, for lack of a better word, in that I want to earn money (laughs) from a musical gig and not have to work jobs I don't that i've been working that i've i felt like i needed to work but i don't want to work so it's very like money motivated but of course i've been a lifelong musician creative i i can't see my i've tried to say you know when i'm done with music i'm gonna go get a job doing whatever really and and about a year later i'm like i hate this so much i gotta (laughs) get back to what I'm attracted to, so it's been, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So the goal was, I would say, monetary-based, but I also have a, uh, I'm like a tinkerer, you know? Mm -hmm. So audio, when I first got into recording my own music with Logic Pro, you know, the world is like this endless, it's endless opportunity. It's like, I can record a guitar and I can record drum kit in my living room Mm -hmm. and now I can put it all together into a complete picture And then the complete picture sounded like garbage. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) why does it sound not even remotely in, in, you know, why does it not meet my aspirations for it? So that really scratched an inch for me of like, I want to learn how, what a compressor is, what an EQ is, how do you use reverb effectively? How do I edit my vocals to sound natural, but good, whatever. Um, And as a result, I've just gotten to continue down that path of tinkering and learning. And anytime there's a logic update, I'm like, yes, this is the best day ever. I can't wait to find <laughs> out what Live Loops are or how Atmos works or this, that, and the other thing.
0: Yeah. But then how are your Macs keeping up with all the updates? You're just going to keep updating the Mac as well? Well, um, sure. I stuck with
1: a 2012 MacBook Pro right really? up until they announced... The first wave of Apple Silicon Max. Mm. And the MacBook was getting long in the tooth. You know, I try to do some editing or whatever. Or if I try to bounce a song out, a mix out, it would be like, okay, this is taking a while. (laughs) And Mm. they announced the Apple Silicon Max. And I said, okay, I mean, this is obviously the future. Right now we're still in getting to enjoy Rosetta if you're working with applications or Mm. plugins that are not Apple Silicon native but Apple's going to kill it at some point. Like Rosetta's going to go away. So I just said, Ooh. I'm, I'm going to get a Mac mini. That to me feels like a good place. Okay. Uh, so I got the 2012 Mac in 2012. I had a white clamshell before that, until that uh, became non-functioning. And now I'm running the Mac mini for the last couple of years. And honestly, for being the first generation Apple Silicon, M1, 16 gigs of RAM, a terabyte mm. hard drive, It, I think it performs like a champ. I'm very that's pleased awesome. with it. It yeah. doesn't get too hot. Never. It, yeah. I mean, the fan is always running, but the mm. fan is just absolutely silent. It's awesome.
0: 2019 Intel, and it gets so hot that it loses its mind. Yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely. I'm sitting
0: that's... on two fans and, and you know, surface uh, height things that I've got. And if I pull them out to... Be able to cut vocals and forget to plug them in. I got to wait for everything to cool down because it's like painting weird and, you know, shaking and.
1: <laughs> oh man, you, if having if a heat I may, stroke, I guess. Yeah, if I may make the recommendation and if you're not in a position of having to be um, mobile, the Mac minis are awesome. And if yeah. you have to be mobile, I'm even considering a MacBook Air because. I don't know. I mean, they're they're thin, they're light. And as far as I've been able to tell, they, they're just as capable. Yeah. I mean, more than capable than the Intel MacBook Pros. But the Mac Mini is awesome. I love it.
0: And one of my students was talking about, I think, the Mini and how cool it stays. And it never heats up. And he doesn't have trouble with anything. And I thought, well, now I'm doing video too. You know, would that be good for video? Would that be good for, must be if you're using it working great for me
1: yeah and now we're on the m2 mac minis so you mm. can up, you can upgrade the memory you know i can't remember is it 32 gigs a little more but now you so can not, get even more with it
0: so you're not using uh davinci resolve or something like that you're just re- you're doing all your video editing in ScreenFlow.
1: yes it is a point of contention for me um oh. Why? (laughs) So, This is going to be the most candid I've ever been about any piece of software. Uh, ScreenFlow (laughs) ScreenFlow is a great application. It allows you to film your iPhone camera, plus your Mac screen, plus your audio interface inputs, plus an iPad if you have it connected to the screen. You can can record just about anything.
0: Yeah, like four Um, or five things at once. Absolutely. So
1: thank you, Telestream, for all of that functionality. Editing and ScreenFlow is a miserable endeavor (laughs) by my standards. And that is because, you know, when you open Logic or Pro Tools or whatever, the first time you maybe open a project, the the audio waveforms have to draw themselves the very first time, you know? So it's like, oh, you know, it's populating. And then forevermore, when you make an edit, whatever, the the waveforms just stay put. Hmm. In ScreenFlow, when you slice or what I'll call a region, but it's probably called a clip, Hmm. it has to redraw the waveform. Every mm. time you make an edit,
2: Ooh. and it is,
1: you know. So I, I would spend when I was doing the the newbie to ninja series, which is something I started in January this year to kind of like challenge myself to get back mm. to basics. Mm. I was editing on my 2012 MacBook at home because I didn't mm-hmm. feel like being at the studio at midnight, and I would just sit there for like an hour waiting for things to redraw as I'm editing, and it. I would be up till three or four in the morning just trying to get a video done because I convinced myself to do a daily video and so
0: Wait, waiting on the software not so. Cool. i'm
1: saying all that in hopes that maybe someone from telestream ends up watching this
0: <laughs>
1: um otherwise i would edit in a separate program but mm. sometimes the export process out of out of a uh, screen flow for like the raw you know the the full monty of like a you know an hour of footage can take mm. a long time as well so then it's kind of like well uh, i know how to work in this so i might as well just keep going
0: True, because if you have to render something, it could take an hour or more.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it just seems more time efficient.
0: That's cool. Did you start with the demo of ScreenFlow or just hop right into the full version? Probably. I, uh,
1: I think I just hopped into the full version because I became aware that that was the software that a lot of these YouTuber tutorial folks would use. So it just seemed like that was probably the next logical step for me.
0: Yeah. I was about to do that uh, probably about six months ago because I had done the demo and I liked it. But as soon as my system read it as an option, if it wasn't operating, it would throw off all the aggregate devices. It was like everything, it wanted everything all the time. and was like, yeah. oh, this is confusing the issue. Did you have any troubles like that? um
1: there was some hiccups early on Telestream devised their own audio device like a like a virtual device oh. so in logic for the output cuz there would be problems where screenflow is not capturing the audio from logic pro mm. so they they came up with their own software driver so you would just say in the output section of the audio preferences like use the Telestream audio device right but i would run into problems with that too so what i do is actually i assign a set of outputs on my interface um like apogee interfaces have a whole bunch of virtual like outputs and buses you can use so i just say okay on outputs 33 and 34 mm. uh send all the all the audio from logic through that as if i was sending it to my speakers and then in, mm. and then in screenflow i'm able to monitor and see Basically, I just record the output through the interface instead of through Telestream's driver. That's a um, lot of technical um,
0: mumbo-jumbo, but... Okay, so it's coming in like just tracks of audio. Exactly. Cool. That exactly. sounds like a way to do it. Yes.
1: Yeah, but I, I should point out that on the Mac Mini, the Apple Silicon Mac Mini screen flows a lot faster. It does have to redraw every time you make an edit. You split mm. things up, but it's a lot faster than 2012 MacBook at midnight at
0: my apartment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know even DaVinci Resolve gets weird on this yeah. Mac, which is uh, another MacBook Pro. And, um, you know, you go to move something and nothing happens, and then it jumps three mm. moves later and things like that. So I keep trying to take everything off of here, and get it onto a hard drive so that I could actually operate. <laughs>
1: sure you know what's interesting about the apple silicon max now is that like i was working off a project i was recording guitars here i was working off my external hard drive and it just like logic just didn't want to get going Mm -hmm. i moved the i moved the project that's actually quite big i just moved it onto the desktop off the Mm -hmm. external drive Mm -hmm. open it up not a problem you know the the common knowledge or you know the common recommendation Mm -hmm. is is you have You know, the application running off the internal drive. You have the project running off an external drive. I had both running on the internal. It didn't complain once. That's That's like how awesome these things are getting now.
0: That's great because this is all internal and it's still troublesome. (laughs) Yeah. What camera are you using right now? Because you look fantastic. Oh, thank you. It's uh, an iPhone
1: 12 mini. Oh. And I purchased it specifically for the camera because my previous iPhone was an iPhone SE and it wasn't so uh, – the newer cameras are willing to adapt to low-light situations. Like mm-hmm. I have two ring lights facing me right now. But right my, my space is kind of dark uh, in an effort to contain sound and, and whatnot or keep sound out, whatnot. Sure. And the SE, I looked – there's some funny video, video shots of me where I look like I'm literally dying on camera because <laughs> <No. laughs> uh, it just couldn't adapt to it. And this is <laughs> awesome, the iPhone 12 mini. Yeah. It, Works a treat in low light situations.
0: So you're zooming on the iPhone. Yeah. And this is the quality of the camera because you're zooming on that instead of like yeah. me zooming on, a, on an iMac, maybe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome.
0: Yeah. And um, they say sometimes the back camera is better than the front camera. Are you seeing yourself? No, I'm not. It's the back camera. It just is the back of, camera. Just because
1: of that experience, I, mm-hmm. I almost feel like the front camera. Is probably just a, as good as at this point, but I'm used to just staring at the back of it. I think I'd be kind of – it would be confusing for me to see myself on camera while I'm trying to express <laughs> myself. I think I would be thrown off by it.
0: Yeah. I had to do a couple of different uh, cable TV shows, and they had the whole place, just a big empty – studio with one camera guy and a sound person (laughs) and basically i was feeding them the sound i said take my guitar and vocal exactly as i send it to you don't do anything else to it and um, they said oh good you want to see yourself on all these monitors i was in like a half circle of myself and i was like definitely not no yeah (laughs) because it's like oh no i made that face again and i hate that expression or (laughs) i saw my reflection over that side it's like oh no this side's better (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's Absolutely. what I was like, yeah, turn
1: those all off. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, for the first couple of years of the channel, I didn't have myself on camera because I was completely freaked out by the idea. Um, I just, I don't know. It's 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 a lot to put yourself out there on the internet to an ever-increasing, you know, audience. And it really freaked me out to think about people being like, what the hell? That's what that dude looks like? But eventually <laughs> I got to a point where I just... Felt like the channel needed to evolve, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Well, this is kind of like, this is one of those things that could evolve." Is just to get over myself and and say hi. So yeah. great, I did it, and then I learned a lot about lighting and and camera work. And you've got an awesome, you know, camera situation going. I saw I I checked out your Instagram briefly, and I I saw the big light that you had, <laughs> you know, like the photographer like light box, and I was like, "Wow, that's more sophisticated." I gotta get on that.
0: They're kind of big, and what I didn't know is that they make some with dimmers and some without, and then mm-hmm. I tried to buy the extra little dimmer adapter, and it works with some lights and doesn't work with others, so sometimes they just start uh, strobing, and then um, there was a guy on YouTube that made these sort of pie plates with lights, and he he did uh, he showed you how you could just take a pie plate and, and turn this, uh, this round thing into a light. So I did that, and it seems like the uh, <laughs> the dimmer switches are working with these lights that I made myself better, but um, they're, they're hard to find a clip to make them angle where you want them. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's and
1: the awesome. boxes,
0: I have one I just was able to finagle to stay up in the ceiling over there, so behind the Mac is a big one up in the ceiling to try to light the room a little bit more. That's what's so cool about
1: these creative endeavors is you learn to become adaptable
2: <laughs> mm.
1: you know at the front end of me trying to mix and record I was you know petrified if something goes wrong how am I gonna you know figure my way out of it And now it's like I don't know I, it's so cool that you just learn to to deal with a situation and you make the best of it and you can surprise yourself and mm. I feel like that's similar learning logic learning recording mixing producing yeah. arranging it's I find it a, a source of a tremendous fun.
0: I'm still fascinated by the fact that you're looking at the back of the camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cuz sometimes with playing it's like nice to be able to center yourself and see that the yeah. whole guitar you didn't cut off the, the the guitar neck and the body of the guitar is being seen and they can see your strumming hand and you you must have it just set like you know that you're getting the uh the frame that you want and you just don't move it again.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. I spend probably a good Five ten minutes, you know, picking Testing. angles like what would be best for folks. It's unfortunate that my computer screen is down here because I can't really like, you know, be facing the camera. But mm. uh, that was sort of a that was you know that was a, a byproduct of the Atmos situation I have in here now. Um, the screen has to get out of the way for the center speaker, so yeah. I'm looking at you down here. But but we're here. So
0: you're actually really mixing in Atmos.
1: Let's uh let's not get too far ahead. I'm I'm venturing into Atmos. I've mixed one okay. track for an artist, uh, and I'm very interested and intrigued by the whole thing. Um, and I'm starting to talk. What's interesting about Atmos is like you, myself, folks who are probably familiar with Logic or Pro Tools, like we're aware that Atmos is a thing. Sure. Everyone I've talked to, consumer, artist, ninety nine percent of people have no idea what I'm talking about. Really? (laughs) I'm the one educating them. I'm saying, hey, would you be interested in this? And they're like, "Eh, I guess, you know, you know, so you got to get people sitting in the room and show them this is what stereo sounds like. This is what Atmos could sound like based on like I'll go into Apple Music and I'll go into settings and I'll flip between turning Atmos off and on because artists, engineers have to provide two versions to streaming the the stereo version and the Atmos version so they can flip seamlessly between the two. And when folks go from Atmos to stereo and back, it's like, oh, that is actually pretty cool. But you don't really notice it until Atmos mm. is turned off, until you go to the stereo version when it's just these guys. Um, it's it's a subliminal thing, but it, I think it's pretty cool. It's subliminal in the sense of, like, you got to kind of tune yourself your ears to the experience.
0: mm. I'm sure I would love it. I remember getting five of the same speaker a bunch of years ago and mixing in surround in uh, Logic, but then I was so disappointed there was nothing to capture my 5.1 mix on so that I could bring it out to the car that I had at the time that had the ELS surround sound system in it.
2: Oh, I was trying to
0: record, bring my own music into my car to listen to it in surround, but I only had the test CD that came with the car and uh, the Beatles' Love Album. You know, like There was yeah. nothing being released in 5.1. So what are they... It must be one of those... I think someone was saying it was like one of those Eumatica sets that we used to have to make CDs off of that they're capturing this, the, the Atmos on now. Well, Atmos
1: is similar, I would say, in the sense that... Um, You have to export at this moment in time using Logic Pro. You have to export, if I was going to share, let's say I mixed a track for you, Lauren, Mm -hmm. in Atmos, and you wanted to check it out. I would have to export one of the binaural rendered versions so that you could listen to it in headphones. Okay. I mean, I could send you the master ADM BWF file. And if you have access to an Atmos studio somewhere on campus then cool, like you could bring it to that engineer or that space and say, hey, can you load this in Pro Tools? And it will load like as an Atmos mix and it'll work. And then you could check it out. But for the mass majority of folks who don't have access to facilities like you have, they're going to want to have headphones. They're going to have to listen in headphones because there's no other way to share it with them. If you're using the Dolby renderer that um, is not included natively in Logic Pro, but you've purchased the $299 renderer, you can spit out an MP4. That provides a little more versatility, just that you can punt it down to your iPhone. Still, you're going to use headphones, but maybe you could get it to play mm. back on your Apple TV or something. I'm not sure on that front. Mm. But similarly, it's like you're pretty much limited to headphone listening to check
0: out your Atmos mix. And aren't they trying to come up with headphones that would do Atmos better than others as well? No doubt. I mean, I've been because listening. They to... only have the speakers they've got. Sure. Yeah. I've been.
1: I have no doubt about that. the The interesting thing about the binaural renderers is that you don't need special headphones to listen. Mm. Okay. Like you can plug your your you know your earbuds or your Studio Pro headphones. You can use whatever headphone, okay. the binaural renderer creates this virtualized rendition of the Atmos mix, it decodes it at the user end. And so it plays back in headphones in what feels like something occurring around you and not just inside your head. Mm. Um, But I will say that the listening experience, in my opinion, is a lot more exciting and interesting and intriguing on something like the AirPods Max, or I really Mm -hmm. like the AirPods Max because of the noise cancellation you can right. just turn off all external noise with a button yeah. and it sounds better to me and those than it does in my sennheiser hd 600s really? it sounds more more interesting more believable uh more intriguing to me the surrounds um, i mean the uh correct the, yeah most yeah. does yeah yeah the atmos does so uh at the risk of that sounding like a pitch for all Apple products, that's not my intent. It's just that's the experience <laughs> I have
0: <laughs> at this moment. Do you uh, know Tom Frampton, of, uh, Mastering the Mix? He has a YouTube channel and does a lot of plugins. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I'm a
1: big fan of Reference, too. Yes, me too. Plugin. I like that. love that. Expose, which is like a separate application you can drag your track and right. reference tracks into and compare i love that application yeah. bass room is a really cool plug-in for yeah, like figuring out too. the low end of, of your mixes so yeah i'm a huge fan of his stuff
0: he had a, a speaker on his chair it was i guess what gaming folks use to to feel the low end and to feel the, the pressure of the the low frequencies he was talking about that recently i was like
1: whoa <laughs> yeah the sub pack Which I I learned through him as well, through his uh, channel and his blog. It's like, oh, I never would have thought to do that, but that's super cool. It's kind of like looking at the woofers on your speakers, and when they're shaking around like this, you're like, okay, I better round out some of that low end.
0: (laughs) Now you're like, "Uh, I'm getting an upset stomach. I guess I better fix my low end.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but he makes great
0: stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh his most recent email, just learning that he's a drummer and a uh you know, a musician as well as a developer as well as an engineer. That's really cool. Kind yeah. like like all of us all doing fun things. But yeah, I wanted to bring that up just because of the, the sub pack there that you were talking about. Crazy, yeah. crazy. What keeps you inspired? I mean, how do you not I mean we all lose perspective, we all lose uh even common sense and or <laughs> positive vibes about things i mean what brings you back to center mm, that's interesting i
1: i mean a couple non music practices mm-hmm. and musical practices i uh I keep finding myself returning to meditation um i'm not a I'm not necessarily a spiritual person,
2: mm-hmm. not to
1: suggest that it's a spiritual practice, but I'm sure it can be for folks but The idea of sitting for 20, 30 minutes focused on breathing or focused on just, like, the floating thoughts and letting them float by, that really helps me because I can be a very anxious person. And it helps me me just end back up in the present moment. So that's something I keep returning to. Walks help a lot Mm. when COVID happened and we were all sitting inside I almost forgot like oh you can go outside you can can walk around Um, (laughs) that helps a lot Uh, inspiration wise for music and creativity I like to check out you know what's not necessarily what's hot on you know what's in the top 100 Mm. uh, songs on playlists but I, I like to check out playlists to get a new sound to my ears, you know, Mm. like a new, a new idea on a production that, that helps me kind of get out of a funk where I feel maybe like I'm doing the same thing over and over. Right. Um, I find pop and hip hop production endlessly fascinating (laughs) because they'll make use of anything. They'll make use of, you know, use, slapping your thigh and throw it through a reverb and a whole bunch of other stuff. And it sounds like nothing resembling slapping a thigh or right. someone yelling or whatever. <laughs> yeah, And that to me is just so inspiring. Just because like anything is available to, to create with, I would say for rock based genres, which I grew up on punk rock, hardcore metal, these sort of things. I was very inspired by that for a long time. Eventually, you know, you, you, eventually for me, you come to identify how these things will operate time and time again. It's like you'll have drums in a particular fashion, you'll have bass tones in a particular fashion, guitars, et cetera. Mm. Um, and so, I don't know. I just, the point being is that I like sounds that I don't expect to happen. Yes. Because then it's like, whoa, well, if you can do that, maybe I can do this. Sure. And we've all got the tools to do it.
0: That's cool. That's so cool. I know it is. It's all about the sound and the curiosity and taking our ears by surprise, whether it's in the writing or the arranging or the production or the mix. Or I love when things just sort of meld and blend and enhance each other in such a perfect way. It's like as soon as I start getting goosebumps or start crying, it's like... That's it. There's, that's what I was left after. You know, like I didn't know I was going that way, but that's a keeper right there. You know?
1: Yeah. There's a nice, but in a different direction as well, because I'm so heavily computer-based and I've, I've done Mm. a lot of mixing over the last couple of years, as opposed to recording, throwing a 57 in front of a guitar cabinet and getting Mm. that, you know, getting that right place. Mm. Now the guitar just like flows out of the speakers is so inspiring it's like well all it took was a 57 in front of a marshall half stack or whatever and now it sounds bananas and (laughs) i get really excited by the texture i would say i'm i'm increasingly excited by textures of sound yes Um, like the mark ronson live loops grid that came with logic there's a lot of warmth and there's a lot of that like mark ronson sort of vibe to those sounds. And that to me is like, whoa, this is so cool. This is nothing I experience on the daily. Mm. And that gets me going too. So it's not necessarily just uh, uh, made up sounds.
0: Are they enriched harmonics and, and uh, like a little bit of overdrive distortion kind of sounds? What's, what's happening with some of those samples?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say all of the above what you said. I'm increasingly a big fan of that really fat snare drum sound, you know, you throw like a, you know, yeah. a beach towel on the snare and it's like got just that thunk and it doesn't have that endless decay. I love that sound. That's a Beatles thing. That's what they were the yeah. ones who threw the, the tea first towels. tea towel on yeah, and got yeah. that really nice tight sound. Love that. I love the I smack of a big fat time. kick. Yep.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, like Chad Blake would put a little bit of fuzzy stuff on almost everything and and just, like a house of cards, just make it perfect. Um, The uh, Magnetmus, the Tegler Magnetmus piece of outboard gear is that, it's just a harmonics exciter uh, fuzz distortion sort of generator, but it's like when you put it on a whole bunch of different things, it just enhances different frequencies. And you can determine how much and blend it in and stuff. And all of a sudden, the mix is like interesting. It's got yeah. like some fuzz to it, or meat, or uh, like you say, texture. It's, it's really, really cool. But, yeah. You know, Chad was doing that with like a little Sans Amp distortion guitar pedal on drums and basses and everything else back in the analog days. Sure. Yeah.
1: You know, to that point, I think at, it- this point a lot of creatives that are using logic pro that are making music on a computer
2: Hmm.
1: you know and just like how i started out maybe you started out was you're just trying to figure out what's the right thing to do right you're trying to figure out like okay how do i use an eq so this sounds good and not bad and what's Hmm. like tasteful and what's thoughtful and there's a long time of that and eventually you Mm -hmm. have to give yourself permission because it's not going to be learned behavior necessarily for a lot of folks. They're not going to go intern at a studio and, you know, get tea orders for the next five years and learn through osmosis. Right. Um, up. So it, eventually you have to give yourself permission to be like, it's okay to throw a drum kit through a sans amp.
2: Yes. <laughs> you know,
1: and you got you to gotta develop that confidence to do it. Yes. And that's something I've had to learn to do because I, I interned at a studio that I think you're familiar with. It's uh, I'm not going to name names. I entered <laughs> at a studio in New York that has a very popular online education website. <laughs> and I was there for about three months and I was like, you know what? I work five days a week at the coffee shop. I'm doing this the other two days. I don't see my girlfriend. I don't got time for this. Yeah. Um, I tend to be impatient in those sort of moments because you know, my job was to
2: mm-hmm.
1: clean the bathroom and get coffee. Reasonably so. That was the job of an intern, but I was impatient. I was a little too impatient for being able to get involved.
0: Mm.
1: Um, the point of that being is that probably if I had hung around, I would have started picking some of that stuff up.
0: Yeah, maybe they would have started throwing out some information and giving you some thoughts in the real direction. Yeah, I, I don't particularly like how they think it takes a certain person, but maybe it just does, you know? I, I didn't like the uh, expectations even of professional engineers like, oh, you never sleep, you never eat, you never use the facilities. Um, you know, why would you? Our client is here and they want to just keep working. So you have to suffer. I, like that doesn't make any sense to me because I don't know who wins from that, really. Um, I just read a book called You Never, never Tell a Rockstar No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> by, by By Glenn Berger it's fantastic. And it just blew my mind because <laughs> there are people that he talks about in there that I thought, Oh, if I had just studied under that tutelage and uh, so many people said they learned from this person, and I would have loved to have learned from him and blah, blah, blah. And I had his number and I called and I was going to set some stuff up. And yet in his early days, it was pretty awful the way he treated people. And yet then in his own book, He was saying, you have to treat people with respect and all this stuff. And I'm like, I can't wait to talk to Glenn Berger and say, did you read his book after yours? You know, like, (laughs) because once he made it, he was a pretty nice guy, I guess. Like when I met him, he was great. You know, like I can't believe the stories that are in this book. It's just crazy. And which is what is cool is that, you know, he gets into these other things like all the the mind games around it because – You know, it's like, what are we doing all this for? You know, you have to be doing it for the pleasure of it. It's not necessarily for money. It's not necessarily for fame and fortune. It's not necessarily for anything, that it's going to mean anything to anybody. It's like, I've always done it because it was like my playground, my toys to play with, my music to create. And I've always loved doing it. So that was the reason I was doing it, you know? Yeah. I've had hangups about all that. What does it mean? Who's it? reaching and all that kind of stuff forever you know for a while it was like um, why aren't you happy and it's like oh I always wanted to write record and perform my own music it's like well you're doing that it's like I thought it would be different but like how (laughs) like how would it be different if it was going to be anything like that book I was spared oh my god
1: (laughs) yeah I agree with all the above. I mean, I've had those moments too, where I'm like, you know, uh, I'm very proud of everything that has a, has happened thus far, but sometimes mm-hmm. I expect it to look or feel different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was just watching, you know, by happenstance through a Instagram, you know, just perusing, see an interview with Rick Rubin, and he was saying. Essentially, like, people who are very driven to an end goal, once they achieve the goal, it's kind of like, why, why am I not happier? And it's like, well, I think mm-hmm. the point being is that the journey is more important than the end result. Yeah. Uh, I will say, I just want to backtrack a little. I want to say that the studio that I interned at, if anybody deduces where I interned, they were very respectful to me. They were very kind. They allowed me in on what's going on. It's just, I think, very understandably so. I had no tangible uh, I had no practical knowledge of running a board or, or doing any of these things. So they mm. really smartly did not put me in charge of any of that in my three month time there, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I, to your point of how we're expected to work all the time, mm. more or less, I think that's increased more so because we're increasingly virtual. We're increasingly working in asynchronous patterns where I send you a mix, then you email me in the middle of the night and I get it in the morning. <laughs> and, you know, we're not hanging together in the same room doing it mm-hmm. together. And that's challenging. I think the important part is is to set boundaries. And that's something I am, for myself, am learning to mm. do more and more so because I get a lot of correspondence from a lot of folks from all right. over the place and yeah. at a certain point it's like if I answer all these emails I will never get a video out the door and this is the this is why everybody wants to talk to me right so i think just acknowledging the fact that you got to focus on what you do best at and mm. uh, and can give your best at and sometimes things might not work on the timeline everybody wants, but maybe communicating that fact will <laughs> will make everybody a little more comfortable.
0: Yeah, and you'll eventually get to everything, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Will you be bringing in other folks to then? Help? Do you want it to expand and grow even further?
1: Um, it's something I've th- thought about and considered. I'm not opposed to the idea of other people getting involved. Mm. i would not say that i am i'm not one of these folks on youtube that wants to like turn it into an enterprise or a conglomerate of like (laughs) we're just cranking out educational materials and courses and doing all these things and Mm -hmm. and and i'm not putting those folks down but i don't know there's something a little more personal about all this to me yeah and i want to just keep it fun definitely no I want to keep it fun. I want to keep it personable and kind and generous. So I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did you find a way to monetize what you were doing after I suggested that a bunch of years ago? Yeah. Well, you know, I intentionally made
1: a choice when I started the website. Where I was like, I'm not going to try to pitch anything to anybody for the first year or two. Because I want to learn how, I want to learn if this is actually of value to people. And Mm. I want to learn how to be of the best value to other people. Mm. And not be so like me focused. Not to suggest I was a very selfish person, but Mm. when money is always on your mind, it always kind of, you know, it it just kind of skews things a little bit when you're constantly focused on it. And that was something that I had been focused on for a long time, just based on the fact of like, I need to make rent type of thing. Sure. So I was like, I'm just going to focus on being helpful. And then eventually uh, people seem to be attracted to the website and channel. And I developed a, I've developed a couple courses that I sell. Excellent. And, and I pitch them, you know, once in a while I go back and forth on the idea because I don't want to be a used car salesman on the internet. <laughs> I don't feel comfortable with that idea. But I do put a tremendous amount of effort into every video, though, that goes out the door. I mean, 10 yeah. to 20 hours is n- not even uh, an anomaly in my world. Going wow. into a video that just goes on YouTube for free. Yeah. Um. So I I reconcile that fact that, like, I try to do my best by everybody every time I sit down in front of the camera. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I'm open to other ideas as well. Like I've done some content for Isotope and other companies in the past. I kind of like that experience too, but. Oh, cool. But I do, I'm very much, I'm one of these individuals who uh, has to work on the thing I'm passionate about. Otherwise I become incredibly uh, not fun to be around. And, I love Logic Pro so intensely. I'm almost more a Logic Pro fan than I am an Apple fan, though they are neck and neck. I know what you mean. I like it so much, and I I like helping people with it so much. that
0: Yeah.
2: So I stick with it.
0: (laughs) I know. It's funny because a lot of times we're several things at once to different people. Yeah. And, you know, you could be the artist, but you're also the teacher, but you're also making videos, but you have – people watching that are virtual you have people that are in person you're working on projects with actual bands that come to you and bring you mixes you're working on mixes from people you've never met you know there's 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 a lot of things to juggle and who are you to each you know it's it's like when somebody is a a business person but they're also a son but they're also a dad but they're also a teacher but they're also like so there's there's different ways to be and um I definitely know what you mean by um, being miserable to be around.
2: <laughs> it's yeah.
0: like if I don't eat every two or three hours or get enough sleep, it's like, oh, you're so cranky. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: <laughs> and that self-regulation, people don't realize sometimes how much work it is to be in front of so many people <laughs> to just keep your cool. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It, uh,
1: I'm, by nature, I'm very. Um, what's the word? You're extroverted or introverted? I'm by nature extremely introverted. Me too. Uh, when I'm out in public, people probably wouldn't recognize me if they saw me in public. Besides <laughs> the bald head and the mustache, I mean, I'm I, I'm not engaging in a lot of conversations. I'm not that talkative out and about. Mm. Um, so it takes a little bit of like, okay, we're <laughs> filming now, and then I then I get to it. so it does take a for me anyways a bit of energy to get get in the headset the headspace for this sort of thing but it's a lot of fun too it's a lot of fun to see the the response from people and being uh the the responses that are like wow i had no idea how to accomplish this or wow you saved me so many hours that i was struggling with this Hmm. Um, that's definitely the reward
0: yeah for sure it was definitely uh that you're giving folks direct answers you know i mean that's the most beautiful thing no matter what problem i face or almost yeah uh, even if it's trying to fix something you know there's somebody that knows how to do it you know and I, i i take a lot of uh you know pleasure in that like just knowing it's going to be okay somebody knows what to do you know yeah yeah, i i would consider you the logic expert i don't know too many others at all
1: (laughs) wow that's well i appreciate that that's uh
0: i can name a few
1: um contemporaries who have been doing it a lot longer than i have Uh, yeah i appreciate everything they bring to the table too
0: yeah that's pretty great yeah what about um you said meditation. I, I just had Eric Mazel on a couple of days ago, and um, he's like the creativity coach. He's written over 50 books about the creative process and people and artists and the way we think and how we have to be dedicated to a healthy mind and be only choosing thoughts that serve us. I don't think people realize that they're the only ones thinking in their own brain. And that just because a thought's going by doesn't necessarily mean it's yours, you know? It's like, well, that was a nasty thing to think. It's like, I don't really feel that way. No, I'm not going to take that one on or, or, or repeat that, you know? It's just something that just floated through. But, you know, even talking with my students and stuff, it's like your whole life can happen or does happen between here and here, you know, just in your own head and whether you're happy or not is a complete inside job as well, Mm -hmm. you know? So maybe as I'm getting older, I'm starting to understand these things and practice them a little bit more, but I bet that goes a a bit hand in hand with the meditation idea too, just trying to figure out where is my energy right now and how do I, what do I really need? Like meet your own needs.
1: Yeah. I'm a very, gut reaction kind of reactionary personality where Mm. i you know i immediately feel a thing uh and as soon as i feel it like you know it just takes over and like you have to deal with it yeah or i just have to have a knee-jerk reaction to it i've gotten a lot Mm. better as i've gotten older Mm. Um, but meditation the thing that it helps me do is just kind of slow the thinking down just to be able to take at least a step back and say, okay, like, is this worth dwelling on? Is this worth, uh, you know, Good is this one. idea of something serving you? Yes. As you put it, um, I'm always modulating between feeling like, yeah, I got things. And like, oh my God, I've got nothing going on here. Yeah, so yeah. meditation helps me
0: yeah. manage that balance. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Do you know about the still point? No. In the back of your neck, if you've ever gone for a massage, sometimes they put their fingers right up and they hold the weight of your head. No. I guess we have columns in the spinal column, the fluid. When we get really going and the adrenaline's going or our thoughts are really spinning, there's like fluid going very quickly up and through our nervous system, through the channels back there. And if you, just press on the back of your neck when you lay down and do some deep breathing or thinking or even sitting up. You can get that to calm down and it helps um, huh. soothe <laughs> my beast <laughs> a little bit. And then also EFT tapping is really good. Not familiar. i heard of that. It's called emotional freedom technique. It looks really bizarre. You see people doing this and saying things to themselves. I don't even have to say much. You know, I'm... Mm-hmm. Tapping on my fingers, tapping on my head, you tap around your eye, but there are energy centers in the body. And then if you can release the energy, you feel better as well, because our bodies hold on to everything. I mean, because of all the regulation and all the BS most of us have to put up with constantly Mm -hmm. and what you see out in the world and what you filter and what you react to, because sometimes you can't help but react. There's so many awful things going on, you have to bring yourself back somehow, you know, and you can't let these things like stay in your muscles. Like, I got to go shake it out or take a walk or jog or, you know, like really exert, go play drums for a while.
1: Absolutely. That's, um that's a thing that I'm coming around to as well. That uh, I mean, in- increasingly I'm much more stationary. Mm. Studio, etc., and I'm I'm relearning the fact that like hanging out in your head all day mm. is not the healthiest thing, and getting out bicycling, walking, whatever. I think you know, just kind of working working that stuff out physically, yeah. like literally,
0: literally, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's different types of meditation too, because I loved that book, Writing Down the Bones, by Natalie Goldberg, where she was talking about uh, Zen and beginner's mind and first thoughts and keep your pen moving and, you know, you can write, give yourself permission to write the worst stuff in America, but then you can hone it and edit it and and turn it into something good. She was thinking I should become a a Zen monk, you know, for herself. Like she, She had a Zen teacher and she was thinking she had to follow in those specific ways of meditating. And her teacher was saying to her, you love to write. You can do writing meditation. You can do walking meditation. Like anything, even drumming for sure could be a meditation. Maybe yeah. even making the videos and editing can be a meditation. Like with the right mindset or intention, almost anything you're doing can align your energy and get you back to center again. You just have to almost intend it or, or, or like tune yourself to it somehow. Like when they say get in the flow or allow your higher source of energy, like whatever it is that you're responding to it that helps calm you figure out all those things and, and get around to them throughout the day so that you feel I'd even love naps. You know, it's very easy for me to just kind of hang out with the mini dachshunds and take a nap.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that makes me think of like, like, creative flow or yes. you know olympians get into a flow state yes uh, being present-minded really and not having mind wandering right the monkey the mind the past the future yeah
0: yeah yeah and so what are some other ways that you get into your flow state like how do you know you're in your flow state or what do you do do you get your favorite pens and papers and special cup of tea or what helps you get in the zone that's an interesting question. Do That's an interesting question. I don't
1: know. I don't know if I could even identify that at this point. Um, because it's actually, if I could be candid, it's actually a mighty will, a mighty um, effort to get into the state of filming for a video. It's a mighty effort to edit a video. Uh, really?
0: Every time? These
1: days, these days, it's a bit... It, it's a
0: monumental effort, not because I don't like it, but. Mm-hmm.
1: What would you rather be doing?
0: What's, what's easier to get into the zone to do? You know, writing
1: Writing is actually
0: my preferred yeah. method of communicating.
1: Writing your I, blog? Yeah, I used to write. I started out just writing blog posts. Yes. And then eventually I came to the conclusion. It's kind of it's hard to illustrate a topic related to audio if you can't hear it.
2: Mm. If you can't.
1: Can't see the logic screen experience it. Yeah. So I said, okay, I'm gonna do YouTube videos. Mm. Um, but I also put you know, fully candid, I put a lot of pressure on myself to provide as much as I can to people. Mm. And early on, I would post maybe a 10-minute video and be like, okay, that's how you do the thing. There you go. And then, you know, folks reach out with questions like, but wait, but what about this? And what about this? And then um, Mm. you know, so I try to accommodate as much of that as I, as I possibly can, hopefully without dragging it. I know without dragging it too far along. So now I, uh, I kind of sit down anticipating I'm going to be in the chair for a bit while I'm filming. (laughs) I'm going to be sitting here for a while. So that's why I would say it's a monument. It's a bit of an effort because I have to like mentally prepare for that.
0: Is there a part of you that's saying, but I don't want to sit in the chair for the next three hours. Oh yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh yeah definitely and what would you
0: rather be doing um <laughs> i'm
1: i very much like being outside these days just like walking around the neighborhood or whatever i like that a lot i like mixing a lot yeah that's a very meditative practice because hmm. for me uh if i'm not doing a lot of corrective work like not having to focus too much on uh pitch correction or drum replacement or something that's like necessary but not ideal for anybody in the room right um but if i can just focus on eqs and compressors and stuff i love that i love poking around at the sounds and logic and creating little riffs and arrangements with the novation launch pad it's probably the coolest controller ever because you can reach you know eight scales or excuse me eight octaves with a single hand across Mm. all the little blocks so you can easily play a little ditty with just a single hand, wow. up and down the up and down the keyboard. It's awesome. Um,
0: but I, I, what I was thinking was perhaps you could get to some of the things you want to do first. Like I'll give myself a, a lot of pressure too for certain things that have to be done and deadlines that are coming up and stuff. But I know me, and in fact, I just as a along the lines of this, I remember reading a book about procrastination thinking it was going to kick me in the bum and say, get your work done and just realize, okay, yeah, every expert says you just have to buckle down and do it. But it actually said your brain is smart enough to know that even if though you say you're going to do this for a half hour every day for the next month, that you'd be able to get it done the weekend before if you just do the whole thing then, it's not going to let you do a little bit every day. Yeah, Your brain's not going to let you waste time. So it makes more sense now to me to say, I am going to go play guitar for two hours. Then I'll get to the taxes or then I'll get to this or get to that. Because then I'm in a good place and flow happens, even for the work that I don't feel like doing. Also, it doesn't feel like it's going to be such a drudgery and it goes a lot easier. So yeah. maybe that's what you need to do first is go out and walk around the neighborhood then come back in and edit those drums <laughs>
1: oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I definitely, something I've come to the conclusion a little late as well is that my girlfriend and I, my girlfriend of the last 17, 18 years, we share a creative space. She's an illustrator. I do the oh. YouTube channel and, and video or, and music and such. She's a morning person. She's like nine to five. That's, wow. that's her work schedule. Every job I've ever worked, I've worked till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Oh, um, I've never been the morning person, but we come into work at nine o'clock and I sit here and I'm like, okay, I got to start filming, but I'm not awake and I won't be awake for the next three or four hours. <laughs> so I'm finally just appreciating the fact like, okay, mm. this is who I am. So I'm going to go for a walk first, then I'll meditate and then maybe I'll do a little creative stuff. And then I'll, once the juices are kind of like, yeah. kicking, all right, now I'll sit down to do a video. Do you eat when you first wake up? I do. We were on a diet um, of the last year. We, uh, we each gained about 15, 20 pounds over COVID, as, most, as many of folk had done. And we said, this isn't cool. I felt like I had a tire wrapped around me. And so <laughs> we decided to take on a diet called the Slow Carb Diet. Um, huh. there's, a, there's a guy named Tim Ferriss, who's pretty famous in certain circles anyways at this point. He wrote a book called The 4-Hour Work Week.
0: And oh, for I our that body and away. such.
1: Yeah. And he had us, he had a suggested diet that mainly focused on protein and mm. veggies. And so and it's like just pick a couple of meals and eat those meals every day. And then on a particular day, you have a cheat day where you go hog wild and eat whatever you want. Oh wow. Um, and we did that, and a couple months later, lost all the weight and we okay. just stuck with it. So, yes, we eat a very hearty eggs beans kale or spinach every morning
0: nice yeah that's good because for a while i would feel like i wake up i'm sort of in between being awake and being asleep i'm not really fully back yet and i'm not hungry and i remember hearing people say don't eat unless you're hungry so i would wait too long my blood sugar would drop and then i had no energy or clarity at all and i couldn't function and it's like no you need to eat like within the first hour of being awake to get your brain fed and to get your metabolism, uh, metabolism working. So, yeah, I'm glad to hear that at least. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It keeps
1: us full for most of the day. That first meal of the day, it's like, it's crazy. You go from eating toast. I go from eating toast every morning with peanut butter. Mm. By the time we get to to work, I'm like, I'm so hungry right now. What is going (laughs) on? You know? COVID happens and suddenly I'm like, why am I so much heavier than I used to be? Mm. And then I, then we started this diet and now it's like, I don't need to eat till two or three or three o'clock in the afternoon wow. as a result. Yeah. It's crazy. Nice.
0: You found something that works for you. I think everybody, mm. literally everybody is, is different. And it, it, that's yeah. part of knowing yourself as, as a human, but also as an artist, because you want to know what time of the day you function best and can do your art. And your work, and you want to know what fuel helps you get there, you know? Yeah. That's really cool.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's always a work in progress over here, but um, but I'm
0: Absolutely. enjoying the journey, yeah. I know. It's like some things I really wish you could just set it and forget it, but nothing is like that. Everything's in motion. Absolutely. (laughs) And you're either chasing after something to get it to come back and get it right, or you're a little bit ahead of it and it's going well. (laughs) But sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm run over by it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And what are those things? Sometimes, you know, you feel like you're on top of the world. Like you said, I'm doing all right. And then some days you're like, I don't know anything.
1: (laughs) For me, I think the, I keep coming back to it, but the meditation, it's mm. like when I fall off the practice, that's when those those thoughts and feelings start to crop up for me anyways. And when I'm in a regular practice, I usually do about 20 minutes every morning. Mm. And that keeps me just at least allowing me to suspend the knee-jerk reaction long enough to maybe say, okay, maybe this isn't worth worrying about as much as I typically would. Nice. When did you start meditating? Many years ago. uh, Probably my mid-20s, perhaps. I'm 39 now. Mid-20s, I think. Using apps on the iPhone. I started with Headspace. And then I used just about all of them. Calm. Apple Fitness, because they have meditations. Mm. I've landed on the app Balance for right now. because. cool. I like Apple Fitness, but they always have music playing, and as someone who's very focused on music, I, I know and I cannot like not focus on it. exactly and Balance the audio is just there's nothing. It's just silent in a person's voice, or you can have like rain or something, and that to me is a lot easier because it me too. you know it turns into white noise.
0: <laughs> I know every time I go for a massage, they go, you want to hear some music?" I'm like, "No, no. yeah. Uh, nature sounds, please. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I'm like analyzing the progression and oh, they must have mic'd it this way. And (laughs) it just, (laughs) and you know what's really interesting is going back and hearing music that you knew of when you were a child, like Mm. whether it was on the radio in the car when your parents were in charge of the radio or your very first listening experiences of bands and records. Because if you haven't heard them in 40, 50 years, well, you wouldn't have that many because you're only 39. But you would um, hear it now with these new ears, with these trained professional ears, but you still sort of hear it as a whole as well, which is really, it's like, really? That's what was in the mix? You know, yeah. That's how they got that sound? Oh, my God. You know, like even um, the beginning intro guitar to uh, "Number 9 Dream, the John Lennon tune, where Jesse Ed Davis is playing... Right. I had yeah. to figure that out when I was in a, a solo Beatles tribute band and I went, oh, my God, it's slide with a wah It just blew my mind. It was so exciting. You know, it's like Absolutely. I had no idea.
1: <laughs> yeah, I uh, I can empathize with that. You know, what's interesting. I never grew up with my entire childhood. My mom is deaf, so she wasn't oh. listening to music. And my really? dad was only exclusively listening to classical and like Irish folk music. It's weird now because now I go over and he's listening to like Florence and the machine. And I'm like, what the hell? Why was this not happening when I was here? <laughs> but so I never had the experience of listening to like ACDC or, yeah, you know, like classic rock or eighties pop or anything like that. Mm. And now maybe because maybe I'm going through a midlife crisis or something, but now like I'm, <laughs> I'm like hearing music on the radio from those eras and I'm like, wow, this is so cool. I love hearing the guitar tones in like uh, ACDC, Black Sabbath, or I love hearing the poppy, just effortlessness of Madonna from the Mm. 80s. It's just all that stuff. It's, it's hitting me now. And then listening to music that I grew up on, which was largely like punk rock because i adopted that from my friend circles in middle school Mm. and high school and hearing those after many years of being away and being like wow i just can't imagine the depth of the mix of a kid dynamite song in their shorter faster louder record like Mm. a lot of contemporaries or a lot of modern stuff feels almost flatter it's like you hear the drums you hear the guitars you hear the bass but everything feels like it's plastered against the wall and listening to right. some of those records, it's like They're breathing. I feel like the drummer is back there. He's behind yeah. the guitars. He's behind the basses. The vocalist is over here. I don't know. There's a whole different depth, yeah.
0: different depth, and and breathing and aliveness that because it, it seemed like they were working with broader strokes back then. Yeah. Whether everybody was in the room recording at once or not, they still had very few things that they could do to manipulate the sound. Now I feel like we get too detailed with too many plugins and we futz around too much. And for me, I've definitely ruined things that when I go back to some of my earlier albums, I go, you didn't worry about this then. And look how good that sounds. Why are you doing that to this, whatever, you know, it, it, it,
1: to, to your point, And I think probably to, um, maybe the point of like universal audio, and, and how a lot of their plugins emulate older gear, when you would you and this is me speculating, or me assuming, but when you would record to tape through the EQ and the compressor, not only are you EQing, you know, a little top end and, and a little less 400 hertz, but, mm. you know, there's the sound of the unit, and there's, if you're pushing that unit a little too hard, you're kind of getting that gluey nature of the unit, and, you know, there's a lot more happening Yes. Than just an EQ curve. Yes. And so by happenstance, and also the fact that there are many folks who are probably very familiar with their gear and the way that they work, but almost by happenstance, these other effects are happening um, and adding to the sound without you having to try, without each of us having to try so hard to make that sound happen.
0: Absolutely right. And then every plugin can distort the stereo image and throw off the phasing of things. So it's like, oh, (laughs) better to capture a good sound on the way in. Absolutely. That's
1: something I have come a long way around to figuring out. You Mm. know, I think a lot of folks on YouTube, a lot of blogs, myself included, we get really excited by the mix stage. And Mm. I think a lot of folks have questions about the mix stage because it seems like that's where a lot of the magic happens.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: many you know decade or two later it's like oh just find out the right place to put the sm57 in front of the guitar cab find the right tone on the amp head play that play a couple takes so you have some you know you can cobble together something that sounds fantastic the whole way through 90 percent of the work just happened at that stage and then you don't need a million peaking you know peak filters on an eq to to clean it up
0: no no yeah that's so cool every great engineer i i speak to that's that's everybody's advice get it sounding great on the way in i always almost feel like um there's like a translation that happened from 2004 to 2005 going from analog to digital and i have uh Memories or flow memories of almost like romance memories of it worked so much better then it was easier then, but then it's like no because when you had to offset those eight machines, it was a lot of math to lengthen a song or to shorten a song or to cut out the bridge, and it was like, I don't even remember how I did all that stuff, and it's so easy with cut and paste in logic, but does it sound as good? You know, so you go back and forth. Like, was it better then? No, things I think were better and worse, and they're better and worse now. But they're different things, and I'm still trying to sort out which way do I like to work best, and how should I normal the patch bay? Maybe I'm not just doing the I/O anymore. Maybe I should do it this way and redo that. And it's, I may end up just simplifying things.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's and selling that's a lot of stuff, you know. <laughs> that's an effort that I'm always working towards. I routinely challenge myself to only use the plugins in Logic for mixing. Nice. Um, I always end up going back to the same plugins over and over when I have a uh, a particular situation that needs to be corrected. Hmm. Like Logic doesn't have a dynamic EQ. And sometimes you need dynamic EQ.
2: Yeah.
1: Or, I you mean, know, or... Perhaps I need to line up multi-mic drums so the phase is better. And mm-hmm. you can do it in Logic, but it's a lot of almost like chasing your tail to get it done. I'll just use the third-party plug instead.
2: Auto-align? But
1: yeah, yeah. is Auto-align 2 is freaking magic. It, <laughs> I, I didn't like the first version. I actually preferred Melda Productions and oh. uh, Auto-align. But Auto-align 2 from Sound Rad- Radix is like on a whole nother level. Nice. But the, I think simplifying ends up being the way to go. Yeah. Is, is, is just agreeing with yourself to avoid certain tools for as long as you can, agree with yourself to avoid certain tactics for mm-hmm. as long as you can. Um, and only turning to those things when you just are like, I'm not going to achieve the result I want without it. But I mm-hmm. think it's good to challenge oneself to simplify to be a minimalist in these departments because you can end up chasing your tail for a long time or yeah. um, getting very perfectioning about details.
0: And spending uh, too many months even just hooking things up and trying to figure out how to get things to talk to each other. It's like, yeah, this isn't music.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, right.
0: <laughs> so I, I'm i always amazed at how much we can communicate even with our dogs and our cats yeah. without words. It's It's fascinating how they tell you what they want you know and and how we could know just by looking at them like oh this or that but
1: my my mom is very
0: good at it too i mean
1: even when i try to sign to her in my <laughs> staggered not very good way she'll just look at my face and she'll just read what i'm saying
2: mm-hmm. as i'm
1: speaking it because it's probably easier for her at this point yeah and to watch me struggle
0: well you all in the family too must have your own connection obviously that is a lot more subtle than most people's so you're paying some really good focused attention on each other and you're picking up on each other's energies and cues and body language and all these things that we might not even have words for in the moment but that got the message across
2: yeah yeah even
0: heart energy you know like we can tell when someone's sincere
1: absolutely i would agree with that
0: that's Absolutely. really cool. Yeah. yeah. So another question about the backwards iPhone, I love. Yeah. are <laughs> like using a mic too. So you yes. have, you're looking at the back of, a, of a, an iPhone and that's doing your Zoom call. Yep. And your microphone's hooked into your interface, but how are they hooked together that I'm hearing the mic with the iPhone? You're going through sh- ScreenFlow?
1: No, I'm going through Zoom's audio and video preferences. But so the
0: phone is able to hook up to another mic as well.
1: Um, There's separate devices. So in Zoom, in the video preferences, I'm able to select my phone right. as the camera source. Okay. And then for the audio device, I'm able to say my audio interface. I'm actually using... Um, I'm using a couple intermediary or in go-between virtual devices. I'm using Reincubate's Camo for the camera. Oh, which is what I use for my videos as well.
0: What's it doing? Um, it's just a
1: different approach to the camera feed. I for you know prior to macOS Ventura, you couldn't select your iPhone as a camera source. Ew. So you had so I had to use. The separate application. I, I think it was macOS Ventura when they finally said, "Like, yeah, you can use your iPhone as a, you know, as a computer camera." Mm-hmm. Something that seemed like so obvious so long ago, but probably took time to make it all happen. Um, and then I'm using Rogue Amoeba's Loopback device as the input source. So basically, I'm saying, like, all right, the input from my interface is going into Loopback, which is going into Zoom. The only reason this is this is the case is that because my Apogee interface preamp levels are digitally controlled, oh. the moment I use something like Zoom, mm-hmm. Zoom wants to start playing with all the preamp levels. Yeah. So with Rogue Amoeba's loopback, I create like a little firewall, essentially, like stop messing with my
0: stuff. <laughs> 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 and it works. Well, it's brilliant. It looks great. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That was a lot to think through. How did that even you probably just had to do a lot of research to sort all that out.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know,
0: uh, I wish I could remember
1: remember the kid's name. It, there was a YouTuber who said, "You know what? I use these Mac apps for various situations and I use Loopback when I'm doing Zoom calls with people that he basically like does something similar. He helps them with their uh mixes or their technical issues over zoom oh right it's like that's very interesting because i have a hard time trying to figure out how to get audio from logic to pass through zoom mm-hmm. and my microphone but still be able to hear everything so loopback ended up being a really helpful tool to manage these different aspects because zoom zoom's gotten as most of it figured out but some stuff mm-hmm. like if i set the audio driver to the zoom driver in logic i cannot hear any audio over my speakers right and maybe someone way smarter out there who will watch this will be like chris duh you're supposed to do this but i haven't <laughs> figured it out yet so
0: so you're listening yeah cuz i'm coming through your speakers
1: yes absolutely yep
0: yeah wow so loopback is like a an alternative to audio movers or one of those absolutely like a soundflower
1: do you remember that it was no like a, well, it's it's basically like a virtual or software audio interface. Mm. It's like pretend loopback is just another box on your desk and you can route audio in and out of it and to other okay. places, like a patch bay.
0: That was a hardware thing.
1: Yeah. And... Oh, But, but loopback, sorry, loopback is a software-based thing. I was just mm. expressing it as a piece of hardware, hopefully that it would make oh, a little okay. more sense.
0: Yeah. <laughs> This is such cool stuff. And no matter what you do, it's gonna change and it's gonna upgrade and it's gonna go up another couple of K for quality. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, for the longest time my Canon T3 was like, wow, you know, now everybody's like, we have a better camera in our phone. Oh <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah.
1: Well, just literally the other day, I I opened Camo, the app that I use to get my camera feed for my phone. Mm. And update, we finally will. Uh, up until then it always been in 1080, even though the iPhone camera can do 4K. Mm-hmm. They update, we can do 4K now. It's like awesome. Now uh-huh. I won't look like a, you know, I won't look like I'm blurring into the background
0: in my videos anymore. This is great. I know. Yeah, your yeah. video looks incredible. Thanks. Thanks. I'm blending into my background, but at least I don't disappear because it's not, you know, like the when you just use a filter. <laughs> Yeah. disappears.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm digging. You have some mass Are those Adam speakers in the background?
0: Uh, which ones are those? Yes. They're
1: on, yeah.
0: Yeah. There's some Adams there, some NS10s, some uh, Vantone. and over here I have some Mackies.
1: Yeah, you got quite the operation over there.
0: It's pretty crazy. It's awesome. It's cool though. It's fun. I mean, a lot of things have come and gone over the years, but um, so far, this is where we are today. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I just love it. This has been so fun. I mean, you've been so generous with your time, and um, I loved all the different things we've gotten into. Is there anything we haven't gotten into that you wish we'd circle back to? Mm. Not especially. Uh... Food, meditation, hope, audio. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully... Staying sane.
1: <laughs> just hopefully anybody watching this uh, feels compelled to check out more. Uh, every every week I'm, I'm focused intently on trying to help people
0: out. Yeah. No. And I, I would think a lot of your videos would be helpful even if you don't use logic because you're a very, uh, I was going to say, logical about uh, playing with sound, but you know, you you do great things with sound. You know, you have great solutions, and whatever plugin or DAW you're using, there's a compatible way to do it. Yeah, um, I
1: appreciate that, and I hear that. I I hope it comes off that way for other folks. I I won't be offended if folks of other DAWs uh, don't feel similar. Hmm. It makes sense to me, um, but they should give Logic a try. That's something Mm -hmm. I'm quite passionate about. If you're on a Mac, give it a try because whatever your impression is of Logic Pro from 10 years ago, it's quite a different world now for us Logic users.
0: Yeah, super helpful, super cool. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Chris.
1: Yeah, thank you, Lauren. I appreciate you uh, reaching out to me.
0: It's been so fun for me to meet you. Finally. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) You're super cool and super helpful. I love your website. Love the uh, podcast. uh, Podcast. I love that you're on my podcast. Love your blog. And uh, certainly love your YouTube channel. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And it's been a real, real pleasure to meet uh, face-to-face, finally, because we've been corresponding back and forth for a few years now. Mm-hmm. And it's a uh, it's just fun to hang out with other creative people,
0: you know it really is, and i i I've needed it for my whole life, so I'm really happy that you said yes. <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll meet
1: in person in real life at some point as well.
0: That could happen. Yeah, yeah, that would be great.
1: Thank awesome. you so much. All right. Well, take care and let me know
0: when this goes live. Yes, probably in a day or two.
1: Awesome, I'll share it too. I'll share okay. it uh, via the email list, so.
0: Okay, few people,
1: few people will hear about it for sure.
0: That's lovely. Okay. <laughs> I would love for them to hear more and, and broaden their thoughts about you, so this, that'd be great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. All right, take care. Ciao. Well, that was super cool. Thank you, Chris. What a pleasure to meet you. You're a genius for the things that a lot of us don't have the patience to go look for and understand, and we really appreciate all the work you do to make things clear for us with Logic. Thank you so much, and thanks for jumping on today. That was really cool. Visit Chris's website, visit him on YouTube, Why Logic Pro Rules. You could read his blog, hire him to mix, can be on his mailing list, and subscribe to get all the latest details on the latest versions of Logic. Thanks so much everybody. Hope you're having fun and enjoying these conversations. You can find short videos on my Instagram channel and you can find the whole conversation in video form on my YouTube channel. It's really important to keep yourselves happy and sane and doing the things you love in your life is the way to do just that. So enjoy being you, go make your music, go to your studio and make stuff.